The theme for the evening talk is the silent knowing of emptiness. It's a wonderful and rather important thing that all of us have made the steps and showed the initiatives to come here to India to be spend some time in uh, uh, this part of the world and we may or may not realize how important and precious an opportunity this actually is and part of it in our experience of uh, being here whether we are from India itself or whether we are from some uh, other part of the globe is to acknowledge and to recognize what we have dropped, what we've moved away from, and therefore what that is opening up in terms of opportunity. What I'm referring to here is that probably in a variety of ways you and I are used to a number of particular forms and structures which make up our life. And with every form and structure that we have, there's a role, there's some kind of uh, identity which goes along with it. And with the form, the structure, uh, the roles and the identities, when that movement uh, is there, of course naturally our personality, so-called, our feelings and our thoughts and our ideas will repetitively keep running through feelings, thoughts, ideas, identities and roles and this builds up our inner world uh, as we know it and just being away from all of that being out of one's country being away from the job being away from the studies being away from the particular environment itself of itself is a freedom from itself is to be recognised even though we may within days or weeks or months or years, be back in the, in the world of the familiar. But in the moving back into the world of the familiar, it doesn't mean to say that the mind which left it ha- has to be the same which goes back to it. There's breathing space while here, simply by virtue of the fact of the absence of all these roles, jobs, identities and all the accumulation of view that goes with it. It's something very precious about this. It's a kind of period of time and there was a a group with Kailash uh, today and rather important. Rather uh, a period of time when one went from, as it were, from home to homelessness and in that group today some of you were exploring that And it does take, and I can only encourage, it does take quite some determination and some uh, conviction for those of you who are interested to extend a period of life of certain homelessness to keep faith with it, keep trust with it. Maximise the amount of time that you have. Do not, I don't care who you are, do not be in a rush to get back into the form and to the familiar. Give your life a chance to uh, breathe. And India, with all of its eccentric 
behaviour and all of its way there and all of its traditions and as we heard earlier on today there are probably more gods than there are people to serve and all of that bizarre diversity that makes this up actually is rather precious for us it's precious for us because we live in a culture and a society which is largely bound by form and in the name of freedom which we call it actually it's a polite word for imprisonment and the forms easily hold us in they contract they keep us in place and the way that they do it the most successfully and this is where it takes a great challenge of a human being to really stop to question this is in the mode of the form that shows itself in the doer the doing and that which is done and this movement of the formation of the doer what I am doing and what is done easily becomes the movement to give one's life meaning the doer what we are doing and what is done and this movement which has such an impact on our life often and very very easily goes unquestioned we don't question it we don't question this movement the self, the I is so identified with it that our values, our judgments, our interpretations our sense of self-worth and who we are is wrapped up in this simple sequence and we're slaves to it we've become slaves to it and we can't taste of anything else because the doer is imprisoned to what is, be, what is being what is, to the doing and the doing is imprisoned to the result, to what is done and we have a chance have a chance to shake this formation around to question it and it doesn't matter whether you and I are so called doing good or so called not doing good or so called not the hell sure not sure at all whether we're doing any good or not doing any good it's all part of that formation but what is the doer? what makes up the doer? where does the doer come from? it comes out of the movement of memory thoughts and ideas of who I am I say oh I am doing this and after I finish doing this, then I, this blessed I, I'm going to be doing that. And when I finish doing that, then I'm going to start doing this. And when there's several things running together, we don't know what the hell we're doing. And this accumulated movement of life becomes normal. Normal we have taken madness for being normal and we notice with the doer the movement and the forces which create the stress and the tension for the doer is the desire to get things done 
extraordinary. And with the movement that arises, there is equally the force of not getting things done. This imprisonment between the two, the collision between the two, makes you very unhappy. Period. Very unhappy. The collision of the wanting things to be done, the fear of not getting them done, generates the stress which generates the unhappiness in life. And we ask ourselves, do I want to live like this? Do I want want to live in this pressure? Live in this way? Which the self is a kind of, like a cork on an ocean, just bobbing up and down on the impact of these movements of desire and fear. Movements of wanting and not getting. It is surprising that when that happens for us, the outcome of the movement has to be doubt. It has to be. Doubt in oneself, doubt in what I'm doing, doubt in what I've done. And this collision, this meeting of all of of this, is what we find ourselves in the spell of. And somehow, busyness, which is a constant problem, it's a neurotic problem, it's a pathology of mind, we have made, because we deny it, we make a virtue out of it. I'm so busy. Instead of saying, I'm so busy, God, I'm really mentally sick. We say, I'm so busy. Oh, he's so busy. She has got so, she's so busy. She's got so much to do. And this preoccupation of the mind blinds us to an extraordinary precious opportunity to see things as they really are. There is no chance for a busy person ever to see things clearly because it's a neurosis. There's no chance for a person who is constantly believes in doing having any opportunity to realise any deep truth. Busyness, doing, pushing ourselves, and all the ways that we do that, and I'm including on the meditation cushion, I'm not excluding it. All the ways that, that we do that, we hardly realise that the impact and the impression of all of that, the ideology of it all, the ideas behind it all, stops access to something else which is, has no relationship to the doer, nor to the doing, nor to that which is done. That's the challenge for us. It's extraordinarily difficult for us to live a noble life in which the giving and the attention to a noble life, to something beautiful and precious about life, really encourages us just to look into an area of our life where the doer is the fixation. If we look at the doer, really look at the, 
what I am doing, the doer. Really, really, for the first time in our life, really look at the doer. The outcome will affect the doing and what is done. Whatever it, whatever that may be about. Some people sit on the meditation cushion in India, attend the retreat, they come and sit with uh, Jai or Nai or, or others or whatever. Sometimes it can be the worst thing they ever did. Because the sitting on the retreat, instead of bringing some depth of inquiry, some people can just use the time for us thinking about what they're going to do when they go back to the West. Instead of the inquiry into the doer, the sitting still gives enough space for the doer to run riot with huge ideas of what I can do. And forgetting that the movement is stopping that which started, which is, sorry, before the movement. Before the doer arises is what matters. Before the birth of the doer is the place for discovery. Sometimes people say, oh, sitting meditation, sitting meditation. Sitting meditation or lying down meditation or walking meditation or standing meditation is a polite, socially acceptable word which has no meaning to it, meditation. It's a socially acceptable word for doing sodor. That's what it's about. It's sitting and doing nothing. Nothing. It's very hard to admit to the doing nothing. Because we know that even to move a little bit in a meditation, even to move our little finger, or to scratch the knee, or pick the nose, or whatever people get up to when they're sitting meditating, feels like in that moment one has done too much. I moved, I did something, I needn't have done that. So, rather than saying I'm sitting and doing, and doing nothing, one says I'm meditating. It just sounds better. It sounds better. But it's not about doing something. But unfortunately, in the pattern, because we want to know what is, what the knowing is of emptiness, silent knowing of emptiness. The meditation process itself, which is learning to be nobody, have nothing to do and nowhere to go and nothing to be done because we're interested in that which is before that starts up in life that the very meditation process itself can be an extraordinary and precious opportunity to know nothing to be done but how easily it converts itself into a doing mode, which is called method and technique. It's called samatha. It is called vipassana. 
may be appropriate and necessary for the beginner. It may be appropriate and necessary, the method, the technique and the form with the meditations to help get one centred and grounded. Nevertheless, if we want to know the silent knowing of emptiness, it will mean, whether in the listening or whether in the sitting still, that the method and the technique, the form, mindfulness of breathing, working with pain in the body, learning to concentrate on the arising and passing of the thought, the use of the mantra, whatever it might be, the methodology that we have used, the engagement with the method, with the technique, is still a subtle form of doing. We're doing something. And the subtle form of doing is only, at best, to calm the samskaras, using the Buddhist language, calm the formations enough, just enough, to forget any kind of doing. Any kind of doing. And perhaps in that, there is a receptivity which the doer can't get to. Because the doers want to get to something. They say, oh, I'm going to get there through meditation method and technique. I'm going to get there through some kind of communication. I'm going to get there through some kind of study. The wish to get there is already a going in the wrong direction. Therefore I say that authentically there is nothing to be done. Nothing. No place for the doer. It may mean we have to weather the reaction from within. The reaction from within is often the wish to give meaning to doing. I do, I'm doing so much. I do this, I do that. Or I, or I might do this, or I have done this, or perhaps I will do this. It's all the meaning lands latching onto, connecting with the doer, to give meaning to doing. Maybe we're looking in the wrong direction. Maybe that whole world, that whole human world of busyness and doing and achieving and accomplishment and attainment and reaching and arriving at, etc. has no meaning except what the doer implants to it. Maybe. Then our precious life, precious life, 
is kind of stripped bare. No role, no identity, nowhere to go, nothing to be done, nothing to be gained, nobody to impress, nothing. Stripped bare. And perhaps in this bareness of nothing to do, perhaps this is the critical point. Can I live with it? Can I feel this? Can I rest with this? Some teachers, teachings in India, traditional and contemporary, just regard it it's too much of a challenge on a human being to be truly nobody. No identity, no role. The mythology of the doer, the doing and that which is done and all the dependency that goes with it. It's too hard just to not have any regard for it. It's just too hard. And so some teachers and teachings will wish, humanly enough, to offer us some kind of comfort. They will say to us, what will they say? Okay, you're not your role. Nice. Thank God for that. Every role ends up as a cross on our back. Oh good, I'm not my role. Wonderful. Um, well, I can drop that one. They will say to us, uh, you're not your body. Just elements, just organic life. You're not your feelings and your thoughts because you can observe them. That which you can look at, that which you and I can give attention to, you can't be that, because you can look at them. So you can't be that which you look at, so you're not your feelings, you're not your thoughts, you're not your states of mind, you're not your body. So then comes in the comfort. And the comfort language begins to set in. This is not a, intended to be a comfortable talk, I think you get that already. And the comfortable lang language will start to come in. And the comfortable language may be you're not your feelings, you're not your thoughts, you're not your body. You are pure being. Pure being. Oh, great. Then if I just relax into pure, this is who I am. I'm pure being. If I just relax into pure being, okay, I'm not my feelings and my thoughts, I'm just pure being. And, that, and one relaxes into that. It's a beautiful idea to relax into. It gets confirmation from the spiritual authorities uh, around. But what is this idea of pure being? Where is it? Where is it? That which we know is our body and our feelings and our perception and it's incredibly unreliable and if we forget the burning ghats of Varanasi are just down the road nothing pure being about this we look and we say 
okay, I'm consciousness, pure consciousness. I'm not feeling thoughts, body, states of mind, I'm consciousness. And consciousness is vast, we say, we are told. It's got that whisper of comfort about it. I am with God. Where? What? Where? It's got another feeling of some comfort about it. We're constantly looking and interested in a place to land which is comfortable. We tried it at home and we're here. So home can't be so bloody marvellous because we've all left it. None of us are living in the Thai monastery in Saranath. We tried living in some experiences inside. Sometimes we're living in, abiding in great joy. Wonderful. And it's very comfortable. It's a lovely feeling when you feel great joy for life, a great happiness, a great ecstasy. And really, you say, wow, this is a wonderful place of abiding. But nature couldn't care less. It kicks us out after ten minutes. Or when the chanting starts on the loudspeakers or whatever. We have a great place of uh, freedom in the moment. Oh, it's just, I just feel so free. Wonderfully free. It feels much better than just being in consciousness. It feels much better than just deep happiness. It feels much better than uh, pure being. And this great freedom which is, whoa, so wonderful, wonderful. <laughs> Boom. And we're out. And we're back into the doer. And the doer has now got a new mission in life. What do I have to do to get back to that great experience that I just had? It's a new mission. We're missionaries for our own madness. We just can't help it. That the doer moves with things to do and if it's tired of the material world it will go to the psychological world I really have to work on my stuff and things to do on myself or it will go to the spiritual world I have some deep experiences to touch upon and I've got to sit a lot or lie and rot a lot or something (laughs) (laughs) and from that whatever that may be and if I do all this, and then I'll have the material world, and the emotional and the psychological world, and the meditator's world, and all this, all, it's all got a lot of doing to it. I need to do this, I have to do this. And if we just dismiss it all, like I said the other day, we'll more likely just fall back on the old miserable tendencies. 
what is the nature, what is this not doing truly about? What is its potential? What are we prepared to give up for this? Because life is going to give us up. And that may mean not having any comfort zone. No concern with G.O.D. No concern with pure being. No concern with some momentary freedom. No concern with resting in choiceless awareness. Some of the others. No concern with cosmic consciousness. God, there are a few more around, there has to be. No concern with infinite space. No concern with great immeasurable joy. All right, if you, you may know a few more, you know, etc. The willingness to have no resting place, nowhere to go to rest, nothing in the feeling world, precious as it is, extraordinary for human beings as it is, and perhaps with the collapse of significance of the doer, the doing and the done, in the material world, the psychological, emotional world, and the spiritual world, and the religious world, etc., etc., perhaps something else may whisper. Nothing to do with something existing or not existing. Nothing to do with that. Nothing to do with knowing or not knowing some absolute truth. Totally irrelevant. Maybe then there's a certain uh, opportunity for a certain knowing which cannot identify something as having it. Understand? Not easy. If you got lost half an hour ago, no problem. Often with the knowing and with experience, isn't it easy to listen to? No comfort zone, remember? Often in the knowing, we wish the knowing or, and or the experience to be related to something which we can call profound. We love it. I had an incredible experience of. I reached that. Oh. It faded away, of course. What do I have to do to get it back? Is there a knowing? Question which bears no relationship to anything and therefore there, it could never be a getting of it back 
because it's neither existing nor non-existing. There never could be a memory of because it would be existing and now non-existing. Is it possible for there to be a knowing which has no object to it? Which is utterly empty of being anything or not being anything? Understand? Therefore there's no memory involved. Therefore there's no gain involved. Therefore there's no loss. Therefore there's no coming. Therefore there's no going. All of that world is only for those who think they've got something and have lost it. Or think they have got something and haven't lost it. <sighs> Call something nice and pleasant. God, truth, reality. Cosmic consciousness, awareness, sublime being, pure being, tatwa masi, I am that. Oh no, you're not. <laughs> This, dare I say, silent knowing of emptiness actually is one huge relief. It is one huge relief because I can't get it, so I can't lose it. I can't have it, so I can't do anything to get closer to it. Wonderful. Wonderful. It's not here, and it's not there, and it's not in between. Wonderful. It's not in the past, it's not in the present, and it's not, not in the present. Wonderful. I can't get to it. I can't get it. I can't get closer to it. I can't get further away from it. I can't have it, and I can't lose it. This is emptiness. And we don't need all these big words. There are too many of them around. They're a pain in the neck. One may say, does that mean, Christopher, we kind of sit and lie around all day and do nothing? Well, it's not a bad idea. Some have already started. <laughs> if we set a little distinction between the two, <laughs> nothing's been understood. Nothing has been understood. If we say, okay, I'll find this knowing which is not knowing about anything, this emptiness knowing or whatever we wish to call it. And then afterwards some, I have to do something, or some compassion will arise, or some love and some doing. Not been understood. Just has not been understood. 
we've just set emptiness and life apart from each other. Life does itself. Life doesn't live through you and me. Human ego says this. Life lives itself. It lives out of its own emptiness. It lives out of its own making everything possible. It's not an event which you and I have. We don't have life. Nobody has life. There's nobody to have life. It's just manifesting, revealing. It's confirmed by everything which it isn't. And that's why all these confirmations of something doesn't help. So I tried to drop the word emptiness in. Forgive me. Forgive me. May all beings explore the nature of things. May all beings see through the doer and the done.